Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Situation Room. And um, I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. And you guys can check us out on Twitter. He's at Gabe Ferky. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. Um, I'm looking to change my Twitter handle. So if you got any suggestions, um, I'm open for suggestions. Um, but, you know, before we get into this, Gabe, you know, I've been a broken record a lot over the last few weeks about how the Ravens have a not played a complete game and B it's just kind of felt like the same thing. It, it's felt like, you know, groundhog's day at week in and week out. And it finally feels like we're out of, out of groundhog's day. And we finally, we finally got past it. Yeah. It might have something to do with playing the team that is now suited for the number one draft pick. But I do think that we saw the Ravens play their best football today. And that's encouraging. It's, you know, we saw a lot of things that, um, give us a lot of hope for moving forward. The offense looked crisp and clean. It wasn't without any flaws, but I think there was some, some creativity and some good play calling and some new wrinkles that were put into the, the offense. And, that, and we like to see that, um, you know, the defense played very well. Obviously they, they just put their stamp on the game right out the, right out the gate. And I think even without some of the some of the key players on defense, they just dominated up front. So you'd love to see that. So, you know, overall, this was obviously a win that was, you know, what Ravens needed. It was in a dominating fashion. And it's something that, frankly, we haven't seen much for much of the season. And, and it was fun to watch. Yeah, I think, you know, aside from Jacksonville not being very good um, and Baltimore kind of really laying it on them, I don't think that Jacksonville is the worst team in the league bad either though you know if you take away kind of the 30 points that the Ravens hung on them here in terms of kind of their point differential to some of these other teams that are towards the bottom of the league that are in that four or five win range they're in the same category and they played tough with a lot of teams this year including the Titans in week two you know the Texans the Packers um, even most recently the Browns and the Vikings so it's you know they are a reeling team that is seem to have lost their way a bit, but I also think that they are not completely void of talent in the same way that I kind of feel like the Jets are completely void of talent. Um, so I think, you know, A, that's worth pointing out, but B, I think what I liked about this game was that it was a complete game. The Ravens have won games by this margin before this year. This is not the first time they they have a plus 116 point differential. I think I think that's second best in the league now, again. <laughs> I think they've re-eclipsed into that role despite kind of all the peculiarities of that, that the season has entailed. Um, but th- they played a complete game here. I think some of these other wins that we've seen where the Ravens won by a lot, even looking back to like the Washington football team win, the Texans win, um, you know, even the Colts win, you saw halves or one side of the ball playing exceptionally well. And then the other side of the ball, not playing exceptionally well for huge stretches of this game. Um, I didn't see that in this game. The touchdowns from the Jaguars, I thought were legitimate. Like the James, the, the Robinson touchdown was a great throw and catch. Um, and that play is going to be really hard to defend. I thought down to down and series to series, the Ravens played really well on both sides of the ball. They called the game well, they executed the game well. 
those are the kind of things that the Ravens needed to put in their bag because they need to know that when they need to go to the well to make a play call or to execute in a big moment, that they can do that with some kind of consistency. And I'm glad that we get a couple weeks where the Ravens can kind of build on that confidence and build on that internal team momentum um, to not just stack wins, but to stack that mentality. I think that they're going to need when they get to the, if they get to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, this, this was Ravens football. This is what we were hoping to see for much of the season, what we ex- came to expect after 2019, um, you know, come out, get a, get a lead, um, immediately build on that lead and kind of just step on your opponent's throat and not let them back into it. And it was what, tw- 26, nothing at halftime could have been more if, if, you know, Tucker is able to hit a long field goal. Um, this game could have easily been like 50 to seven. Like, I mean, there was a pick six that was called back based off of a ticky tack, you know, roughing the passer. Like I texted you, I think like, at the end of the first quarter and was like, are they going to put up 50 points? And I, th- I thought it was definitely possible. I think they obviously took their foot off the gas, you know, pr- probably halfway through the, thir- the third quarter, maybe end of the third quarter. Um, you know, we got to see a backup quarterback with, I think we can talk a little bit about that in a bit. Um, but overall, yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly what, what we came to expect. Um, and I think that this is the great time to you know start seeing the team like have this momentum, be able to to execute on both sides of the ball, to have like a good plan in place as to you know how to you know tech, attack the other team. And I think it's exactly you know the kind of mentality that you're talking about that the Ravens need. They need to have this focus, they need to have this aggression, and they need to just come out and execute. And if they can do that, then they can play with probably any team in, in this league. Yeah. So, I mean, let's start with the defense. I mean, I think that you were right. They played with their ears pinned back for pretty much the balance of this game. Um, and I was glad to see that, but let's, you know, starting with what went right, you know, I, I I'll, I'll, I'll get us kicked off here. I think that there's a really big opportunity for the Ravens with Yannick and Gakaway and Matthew Judon when healthy. And again, without Calais Campbell and potentially with Derek Wolf, who is playing with his hair on fire right now, he's just been phenomenal the last five weeks. Um, that the Ravens could have a meaningful four-man pass rush threat that they have not seen for some time. Um, and you've got a couple guys that you can rotate in there around them with McVie, with Bowser. Um, even Matabuke has looked really good. But even absent of that, just with Judon, Campbell, Wolf, and, and Gakawe, they could be scary because if one guy stays, if one guy stays a little tighter and one guy rushes upfield and kind of pushes pushes the quarterback up the pocket. And we kind of seen, saw the Ravens kind of alternate that in this game. I think it's going to be real trouble for quarterbacks um, potentially, you know, if you've got a questionable offensive line. Yeah. The four man rush winning at a consistent rate is something that we haven't seen too much of this year. We've seen stretches where the Ravens kind of went to that four man rush and they've had some effectiveness with it. They haven't done it as much since they got Yannick Ngakwe. I know they wanted to do it, more but i think then you know had the campbell injury and just hasn't been quite the same i do think that that's something that we might see depending on the opponent i think that's going to be you know one of those things that is going to be very game plan dependent and um opponent dependent specifically about like the kind of quarterback you're going against because if you're going against you know some of these more experienced quarterbacks the format rush is really required in order to generate pressure and then you still have seven to drop into coverage because the good quarterbacks will beat you when you blitz. Um, and even though Martindale, I think, is really good at, at 
with his blitz, with his blitz packages and the different pressures he can he can do and the simulated pressures he can do, I think that you know most of the good quarterbacks. I mean, we've seen Mahomes, for instance, like carve up the Ravens because he knew exactly how to attack the defense and and what Martindale was going to do. So he's really the kind of quarterback you need to have that four man rush working. But like you said, the Ravens have the players up front. You know, it's hard to see any defense in the NFL that really has the amount of quality talent the Ravens have in their defensive front i'm talking about mostly the outside linebackers and defensive line they really do have a very stacked group and it's a deep group um you mentioned matt abike but he's been playing really well in the past couple weeks he's someone i think is seeing more and more snaps especially with campbell kind of being in and out of the lineup he's someone who's really come on strong for the ravens i think he's going to be a big part of what they do moving or or coming down the stretch Uh, mcphee has been a, a good pass rusher all year and then you have guys like tyce bowser you can do so many different things with. You can blitz with him. You can rush him off the edge. You can chop him into coverage. He's And he's gotten a lot better against the run as well. So he's not someone you have to hide so much on defense and just bring in on like third and long situations. He's someone you can really count on in, in all these different types of downs and distances. So the Ravens have so much talent up front. And it's, it's something that I think that is going to be, you know, really the key to their success. If they can get ahead in, in these games, when they when they get, you know, a one and two score lead, then you can put it all on that defensive front and it's going to be, make it really difficult for other teams to get back into it. Yeah. Well, and, and even, you know, in the chiefs game today, you know, there was a lot of talk about them kind of keeping two safeties up top, refusing to let Mahomes beat them over the top. They were still getting pressure with the front four, but, you know, through the first half, Mahomes seemed, I wouldn't call him contained, but, or I wouldn't say that he struggled, but I would say that he was relatively contained because you force him to think through all of his reads and then be like, you have to have somebody win and you have to execute on that. Right. And you have to make a guy do that all game long. And you hope he makes a mistake. That's like Mahomes, Right. Um, and I, if the Ravens have a four man rush that they can count on in a situation like that, I think that you can do that. And against teams like the Titans, where you have to go heavier against Derrick Henry, you have to trust your corners in man coverage, but like you still want to just let four guys rush the passer. That's fine too. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think that could be a big one. And, and we saw in Gakaway, I, I mean, again, Jaguars offensive line is not great. Gardner Minshew is not great. Um, but you saw in Gakaway have a great game. You saw Judon have a great game. If the two of them ha- can have great games together, I'm really, optimistic about what this team looks like if they can get into kind of this next layer um of of what the playoffs look like yeah and and the ravens played this game without two of their three best corners with with marcus peter sitting out with jimmy smith sitting out because of injury so they were able to you know have kind of a a makeshift secondary out there i guess especially at the corner position you know we had tremont williams playing a, a large role anthony avert playing a large role um and they honestly weren't really exposed. Like I know that if they were, there were a few completions let up downfield, but I think for the most part, the Ravens secondary held up very well. They were and the, allowed the defensive front to get to the quarterback. And if, if they can hold up, especially when they don't have their best players on the field, I think that that says a lot for, for how good this defense is. And real quick, before and- we move away from the defense, I just wanted to talk about Patrick Queen because I think that he is starting to get that groove that, you know, he's starting to, get a feel for what he's doing in the defense. He had one of his most complete games, maybe his best game as a Ravens defender today. He had a sack where he was able to track down um, Minshew when he was escaping on, on a pressure. Um, and, and that was on a fourth down. So that was a, that was a big stop. Um, he also had a couple of tackles for loss. One of them was on, I think it was on a, a, 
like a screen pass that he that he diagnosed and was able to track down the defender um, for a, a loss. Um, and then he had, a, I think, one or two other tackles for losses against, um, I think he got Minshew behind the line on a quarterback keeper. Um, overall, just a really good game from him. He looked like he was, you know, in the right spots. He looked like he knew what he was doing. Um, and I think that if the Ravens can get that kind of play out of him, um, obviously LJ four, I think played a really good game as well. He's been very solid for the Ravens in the middle, but I think, you know, they're in good shape at all three levels of the defense. And that's really, really exciting moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, I totally agree. And I think queen, what I liked the best about queen's game today was my same assessment about the Ravens overall, which is that it was consistent and, and solid that with, like with queen, we, we, it, it feels like week to week, you see one play, he completely shoots the wrong gap can't hold his like can't shed his blocker can't do the make the right read can't get enough depth, depth in his coverage the next play he's intercepting the ball sacking the quarterback stripping somebody making a big time tackle right and so i don't need patrick queen to be making one of those those plays every play but i need him not to make those colossal mistakes in between and if he does that the, the rate of which this can elevate the ravens defense will be truly significant um and as for the secondary, you know, I think the other thing that just jumping back to that, the Jaguars don't have terrible wide receivers. Um, you know, I, I would call it one of the biggest strengths of their team um, overall, actually, kind of with with the guys that they've got over there. So, you know, I was I was pretty happy to see the defense hold up in the secondary as well as they did. Yeah, and I think the the run defense played really well too. And then this was out without Campbell, who's arguably the Ravens' best run defender. Um, you know, the, the Jaguars have been able to run the ball this year. James Robinson has had a breakout rookie campaign as an undrafted free agent. Like, he's kind of come out of nowhere and had a really strong season. And the Ravens were able to really, you know, keep him contained in this game. I think he had maybe one rush over 10 yards. And he had, obviously, that nice touchdown catch, um, which I thought was a, was a really nice route catch and throw. It was, that was just perfectly executed. I think it's really hard for any team to defend that and in, in that coverage that they were in. So, you know, kudos to the Jaguars for, for having a couple of nice plays like that. But um, overall, I thought, you know, Brandon Williams had, had a good showing. I thought Justin Ellis played well up front. Um, as we already mentioned Derek Wolf, who's been, you know, outstanding, I think, for the Ravens. He's really been, you know, kind of a rock in the middle of that defensive line. But um, he got his first sack today, which was which is a nice thing to see. He's, he's been more of a, a solid run defender than, than pass rusher. But um, I think he's someone that the Ravens, would like to ex extend. I think I saw a rumor that they were trying to, to get him um, on an extension. So we'll see if, if that happens or not. Yeah, it'll be tough to evaluate the Ravens defense over the next three weeks. Um, they played not well against Cleveland overall. I think COVID played a part in that. You want to see these guys get healthy. I would be totally fine with Campbell not playing again next week, with Peters not playing again next week. Um, I don't take the job. I mean, obviously, if they're they're healthy enough to play, I want them to play. But if they are on the cusp at all, I'd rather they get healthy, spend the extra week getting getting there, use the the last week against Cincinnati as the tune-up game, stay healthy, stay clean, keep letting some of these other guys get snaps. Traymond Williams looks more than good enough kind of in his role. So kind of let these guys – Averitt needs the snaps. Matabuke needs the snaps. You know, let them have it, and and let's see, what, let's see where we can go. But um, – I don't know that we're going to be able to tell too much from this game or games moving forward. Um, we'll just have to kind of look to see where the pieces might fall. Um, and I think that you can see a pathway to what we thought we saw when the season started. And I think that to me, that's the most important thing that we're looking at with the defense right now. Yep. Definitely agree with that. Um, 
and honestly, aside from what we talked about, there isn't too much to take away from this game. Obviously, I think the Jaguars were um, an inferior opponent, and they really didn't have a, sh- a shot from the get-go. You know, you start your offense on the on the one-yard line, and you're in pretty bad spot. And obviously, the safety was was fun to see. Everybody loves a good a safety now and then. Um, so I think um, we wanted to talk a little bit more on the offense in this game because. They showed us a few things that were new, a couple wrinkles that that I really liked. Um, what stood out the most to you about what what the Ravens did on offense? So the first thing that stood out to me was the fact that I think of their first five first downs, four of them were passes, and I think three of those four were play action passes. Um, that just absolutely made my day. I mean, the Ravens need to continue to do that. They need to keep these teams on their heels. They need to not be predictable. And even if they're going to be the opposite of what they were to the extent that it is predictable, I'm okay with that, especially if the play action pass is wrinkled in there. Um, and then I thought the Ravens used, the Ravens are starting to use motion differently than they have last year and all of this year. And so it's not always, you know, it's, I think a lot of us wanted to see more jet sweeps and a lot more of this like orbit motion and like kind of like stretching defenses side to side, um, you know, with some of that. And the Ravens just like, like that is just not what they're set up to do effectively. Um, and I think we have to accept that. Um, but conversely, I think the other side to that coin is um, that they have figured out some ways to work in some other motion things and use motions to fake out teams um, and use motion to get a running start for some of these other running backs, which has been effective too. Yeah, and, and they're also using the motion to kind of set up like their counterplays, which I think is is really effective. And that's kind of been, I don't want to say a staple in the Ravens offense, but it's something consistently that we're seeing um you know, probably, you know, half a dozen times a game and it often is leading to um, big plays and, and they're often using it in key key plays as well, like key downs and distances, um, goal line situations, you know, th- like fourth and short or, or what have you, and your third and short, things you need to pick up. Um, so I think that's something that is is really important for, for the offense moving forward to have those kind of like bread and butter plays that you know can get you, you know, three, three four, five yards. And if it, if it, is blocked up right, you might, you know, hit a home run on it too. So I think one of the things that I saw that was really interesting was the use of two running backs on the field together. And they didn't do it a lot in this game, um, but Gus Edwards and Mark Dobbins were, or Mark Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins, <laughs> Mark Ingram was a healthy scratch, by the way. Um, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins were on the field together a handful of, of, of times. And I think the Ravens are trying to do a few different things in order to get their best players on the field. And I think, honestly, Edwards and Dobbins have both proved to be very effective running the ball. And that might be something that defenses aren't necessarily used to seeing. We saw one play where J.K. Dobbins, it was a play-action fake to Dobbins, Gus Edwards runs a deep post and comes down with a 34-yard completion. Like, it, when have you ever thought that would happen in the Ravens' playbook? That was That was an incredible play. Yeah, and I, I loved it. I love to see that action. I think that the two running back sets where they have um, where they've got running backs on both sides just adds a huge layer of deception when they want to do that. I think on the dot one of the Dobbins touchdown runs, Ricard was the other back in the backfield, but that got me thinking, why can't Gus Edwards be more of the fullback? in those situations like in the situation where like the first play of the game was a lot of fun because Patrick Ricard carried Miles Jack like uh Santa Claus carries his bag right and that was fun right but what if that was Gus Edwards 
right, on these flat routes where you're holding them or J.K. Dobbins. But what if it was Gus Edwards, right? And, like, let's let Gus Edwards block a couple times up front in the hole for, for J.K. Dobbins. Like, he doesn't have to do it all the time, and he doesn't have to be highly effective at it. But you do it a couple times, and all of a sudden teams have to respect it. And you've got two guys that I think Edwards's hands out of the backfield have been better than he's ever been given credit for. Um, and I think this opens the door to some of those looks. But – you know, that play that you're talking about where Edwards got down the field, that's exactly what you're looking to do, right? And and it's also something that we've talked about with the Ravens needing to do effectively, which is put a guy 15-ish yards down the field, in the middle of the field-ish, and, and kind of stop there, right? Not this one where, like, he's running a post route and he's going to just keep on going, right? But, like, kind of get to the middle of the field, plant there force the defender that is then watching Lamar and the defense in front of him to either suck up when Lamar either takes any step forward or looks like he's going to break the pocket and leave a guy like Edwards standing 20 yards downfield behind him and be wide open or whoever that receiver is, take a guy and put him in that spot, run a guy. I mean, if the Ravens ran a guy to the 20 yard line between the hashes down the line, away from the line of scrimmage and let him stand there every single passing play they ran, I would not be upset with it because that is what stretches your QB spies. That's what stretches your hooks, your robbers, all this stuff underneath that has been what has taken away a lot of Lamar's effective this year, give him that outlet. And it seems like the Ravens, if they can let Gus Edwards be that all the better. Yeah. Actually, I think in this game, the Ravens attacked that deep middle very well. Um, we, and we saw it with Andrews. Um, you know, he, he caught a couple of balls over the middle. Um, he also, there's a the flag. He, he pulled a, a pass interference that was probably going to be a catch if he wasn't interfered with on, on kind of on that deep middle area. And I think, you know, using the play action sets up that area of the field to be a target. And this is somewhere where, you know, Lamar Jackson thrived last year. He was so good over the middle, especially that kind of like the intermediate to deep area, because teams were, you know, always respecting that threat of the run. And, you know, they hadn't stopped respecting that threat. And that ability to hit that those throws has still been there. Um, they just haven't used it as much this year for whatever reason. And it seems like maybe they're getting back into that groove. And I think that's a, definitely a good thing moving forward. I think, like you mentioned earlier, the Ravens used more play action in this game than they've used maybe throughout the course of the season. I feel like they use play action on close to 50%, if not more, of the dropbacks in this game. They use it a lot. And I think that's something that the Ravens could have been doing more of this entire year. And if they're, that's something that they're going to continue to do more of, I'm very happy with it because teams are going to, as we said, respect that run the Ravens have and even if it's just a simple like showing the ball to the running back like like the fake option look then all it takes is the linebacker to freeze for half a second and and maybe take one step forward and all of a sudden you're hitting you know Hollywood Brown behind you or, or Mark Andrews behind you and it's just something that works so well and they need to use it more and as we see them use it more it's it's, it's something that I think is going to just be continuously effective for them. The, the Ravens should not run a passing snap without running play action. <laughs> like they, they, they just shouldn't like, and even if it is as simple as Lamar taking one fake half quarter step forward to draw people up to the line of scrimmage, he should do that every single time. It's like a, it's like a free pump fake. That's going to get everybody on the field looking at him in every situation. So I totally agree with you there. And you know, th these passes that you're talking about, like Andrews, when they get him one-on-one, -on -one, Lamar's got to do what he did in this game and he's done that all year. And 
Andrews dropped some of those, right? Um, you know, we saw him drop one of those like in the Kansas City game um, and a couple others, but they've got to look for those spots with him kind of down the field and man-to-man coverage like that. And they've got to hit him when they've got that defender turned his, with his back turned to him. But they also ran a really good concept on um, to the right side. You know, Lamar did a good job of, in this game, mixing up the way he was throwing the ball. Um, and, and I think that that's worth noting because I think that Lamar's mechanics and the way he's been throwing the ball has been inconsistent and sloppy this year. I think to start the year, everything was on a line, whether it was deep or not. And it wasn't kind of it was it was all too hard often um, and kind of too quick to the spot. Right. Then he got into this thing where and and the fans and I'm sure the coaches were on him about this throw a more catchable ball. A lot of stuff floated in the air a little bit longer. It hung up a little bit longer. There were all kinds of interceptions that were happening to some degree because of that. And I think you, you saw that today on the Hollywood throw where that's a ball that needs to be on a line deep over the top to the back corner of the end zone. Let Hollywood go back there, run and get it or let it go. Right. Um, but I, I think we started to see Lamar shake it up. And then I think there was like a, a, the third period that Lamar went through was where it, everything was just sidearm. Like I, I think right before COVID and that whole thing hit, the Ravens, he wasn't getting his feet set. He wasn't throwing off his back foot. And it was all kind of like hook side, you know, slinging kind of throws from Lamar. In this game, I think we saw a little bit of everything. We saw some of the little sidearm actions. We saw the deep lofted pass to Hollywood when he was able to beat his guy and actually win. We saw the dart. And and this goes all the way back to what I initially was trying to say here was Andrews is running a deep crosser. They run, I think it's Hollywood on the right running a like a clear out nine route and basically that creates a whole void like right around the numbers like you know you're about 15 18 yards down the line of, away from the line of scrimmage again this is the optimal place for ravens receivers to play on the right side it's a clear out and lamar's got to throw the ball to that spot and stick it between essentially what are going to be three defenders right you've got your safety your deep corner and your underneath linebacker and you've got to wedge it right into that spot and if you do it's going to be an easy completion every single time but you're going to have to throw it with some zip and you're going to have to get it to the spot quickly and you saw that on that play to andrews it was a really nice throw by lamar and it was a nice ability for him to read drive and throw the ball right to his guy and i I liked seeing that a lot yeah that's definitely true um i think the mechanics have definitely been cleaned up a little bit and i I don't know if he's been able to like put in a little extra time with with urban or 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 what what is it but he has definitely you know looked crisper with mechanics i think he's he's not as well i think for one thing that the the pocket was very clean for him today so he didn't have very much pressure in his face the pressure that he did have he was able to avoid pretty well so i think that definitely helps you know not having someone in your face because there have been times this year where the pressure has been there and i think that's definitely affected his his mechanics to to a certain extent but you know he was able to stand in the pocket and make very clean throws today and i think when he's able to do that he's able to be a lot more accurate as a passer and the mechanics don't break down. So I think that's important. You know, I think that's something that we did see more of last year when we did have a better offensive line, frankly, and they were able to give him more consistent pockets and he was able to just kind of, you know, pick apart defenses. And when the pocket broke down a little bit, he was able to, you know, scramble around buy some time and, and still make plays. So that's kind of Lamar at his best. Um, I do think one of the things that, I wanted to touch on that you mentioned was you know, you know the ability to kind of put some some loft on the ball. I think, like you said, with that completion to Hollywood Brown down the sideline, um, that was that was a beautiful pass on a dime. Like that was perfectly lofted. You know, Hollywood just had to run right under it, and it, it was perfectly placed. And that was exactly what you want to see. Uh, I think that deep 
pass interference I mentioned to Andrews was a similar kind of play where he, he, he put some air under the ball and let his receiver go and get it. There have been a lot of deep balls where he's where he's just missed. I think a lot of it is due to the trajectory and the and not putting enough touch on it. Um, and and the interception, I think, so, so that was something that I've seen from him before, where I think the timing on plays has been off. And I think if this is a ball that he releases a little bit earlier, it might be a, a touchdown. And I think that's something that he's had issues with all season is just missing on like timing by a half a second. And that's caused balls that should have been like long completions or touchdowns to fall incomplete or maybe be interceptions at times. And that's something that I definitely want to see worked out if we can over these last couple of games, just get the timing on some of those deep routes down a little bit tighter. And I think that's kind of the final piece to making the offense being able to attack at all different levels, which is going to be important moving forward. The thing I think that we might see some progress on, and I think people watching the Ravens the last three or four weeks probably feel like the Ravens are forcing the ball to Hollywood Brown a little bit, and I think they are, but I think that's okay, and I think it's necessary. I think that that we need in-game snaps between Lamar and Hollywood where the ball is trying to be – like he is the read, and it's like, look, if he is open, you need to throw it to him. If he's open, you need to throw it to him. If he's open, you need to throw it to him. And I say that out of repetitiveness because Lamar needs to get that through his head too. I think that like, you know, he needs to get to the line of scrimmage. He needs to look at who the, what, where the defenders are lined up. If they're two, if there's a safety and a cornerback over the top of Hollywood, that means somewhere else in this formation that, that someone else is not, and someone's in single coverage, right? Find your single coverage guy there. Right. But I think that he has hesitated when Hollywood is even that open first cover guy, to be able to do that. And, you know, uh, what they need to do now is build that confidence and build the trust between Lamar to be able to make those reads quickly and fire the ball out and do that. So I think that we need to have some of those passes in that regard. And we still saw it a little bit in this game, right? You know, I, I think that some of these drops by Hollywood have been his fault. Some of these balls have not been greatly thrown to him either. Um, and even on that kind of on the little, like it, it was supposed to be the swing pass. Lamar pumped it, didn't throw it to Hollywood. And Hollywood's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you, you can see him waving the entire time. He's basically like, I'm still open. I was open the whole time. You needed to throw it to me in the in the first place. Um, and I, you know, I, who knows what would have happened if we would have thrown it to him right away. But that's the instances where Lamar needs to have it forced through his head, where he needs to get comfortable with it, or whatever terminology you want to pick. He needs to be able to be comfortable in that instance making that first throw in the first place to Hollywood there. Um, and that play worked out fine. Right. But like if the defense had adjusted someone over to him, you have then taken a guy that was wide open from the first, in the first place to being covered up afterwards. So they got bailed out because the Jaguars are bad, but that needed to be a throw that was made in the first place, I think. But that's a great learning moment. If you don't have that read and you don't have that look in the first place, then you can't learn from it and you can't fix it the next time you do it. So there's a few things that I want to talk about because you brought up a, a couple of different things that I think are important. So one, um, getting Hollywood targets. And I think that's important because he's a key part of the offense. You need that speed threat. He is someone who defenses do try and take away. And he's someone who can be, you know, explosive in, in the Ravens offense. And he's really their best, you know, like obvious downfield target. So I love the RPO early. That was, you know, we've seen that a couple times. It's it's a basic concept. Um, he's he basically runs a skinny post. It's a, there is that option to run the ball, but he was open for it. He was able to get yarded after the catch. It, it was I think it was like a 25 yard catch and, and run. Um, Des Bryant did some nice blocking for him downfield, which we, which you like to see 
obviously from your teammates as well. So that was a really nice play. Um, you mentioned the, the kind of the swing pass to Hollywood off of, I guess it was a Catholic orbit motion. Um, and yeah, that was something that he, he might've been able to hit him early. Um, but I think by pumping it and then not going away from him, it, it allowed him to become more open, most likely. I'd have to go back and look at the all 22, but I would imagine that if he was that open, he, he probably could have you know hit him earlier. But the way it worked out, was was really good because he was wide open. Nobody was within like 15 yards of him, and he and he was able to pick up, you know, chunk play on that, and it was really easy. So that reminded me of the other two plays that were of similar nation notion. There was a a play to J.K. Dobbins. It was actually the it was kind of like a fumbled bad snap, and Jackson picked it up and just gave a little swing pass to Dobbins, and he picked up like 15 yards. The Ravens don't utilize their running backs in that manner well enough. You have a guy like J.K. Dobbins who can make players miss in the open field. Get him, <clears throat> excuse me, get him those swing passes. Get him the ability to pick up an easy, you know, chunk, you know, ten, even if even if it's five yards on first down. That's a great option just to get, you know, a, a quick five yards. We saw this. We saw Gus Edwards make one of those plays, and he was able to pick an easy five yards in in the red zone. And like he's not even the kind of receiving threat that I think Dobbins is. So those are the kind of plays that the Ravens should take advantage of. Um, you can use Duvernay coming out on like the same kind of like motion, like like orbit motion or whatever. If he's not someone who's going to be taking a lot of you know um, defensive attention, get him the ball right away and let him pick up 10 yards after the catch. Like those are the kind of plays that the Ravens should have in their back pocket if things aren't going smoothly. If they just need to pick up some easy yards and get the chains moving, that's a perfect option for them. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, and one of the other things that we saw from the Ravens in this game was a plethora of different ways the Ravens tried to attack. They didn't weren't doing the same thing over and over again. There wasn't a lot of repetitiveness to it, and everything kind of continually looked different. You know, in the running game, we still saw that double counter v, inverted veer. I don't know what you want to call it. I still love it. It, it is. It is. That play is going to, if this team goes far in the play, if get, gets the playoffs and goes far this year, mark it here, it'll be on the back of that play. Um, and, and I love these plays where the read option was so great last year because they, they were able to isolate and key the outside crashing guy and attack it. And teams figured out what they needed to do to not isolate the crashing guy on the outside to make him to give more diversity to the rest of the defense. So he wasn't on an Island. And basically if he made the wrong call, the whole play got busted. Right. And so the Raven, that, that is what I think in the first eight weeks of this game blew up the, the Raven season. Right. Because basically the offense was built around keying around that outside crash guy, attacking it and then building out from there. And they were never getting by that first step. And so everything was kind of getting unwound behind that. This, the, the way that Ravens have changed this look is that, Lamar now doesn't have to read the outside guy. He reads the inside guy to tell him what the outside guy is going to do. So without actually reading the outside guy, he's he is basically be able to decide from the inside out where that's going to be and then funnel out accordingly. And you've got fewer guys on both sides of the ball. You have some idea where your formation is lined up and it makes Lamar's read a lot easier. And the giveaway on his read about who he's looking at is also really simple. What the thing that I think is going to make that play so challenging to defend in the long term is, and, and I've seen this on from a few other analysts and a few other people, they're like, who is Lamar's read? Where are his eyes and who is he looking at? That is, that's the thing that defenses were keying in on. Last year, it was obvious. Lamar is keying the outside crashing guy. If he does X, he does this. If he does Y, he does that. 
we're doing X and we're doing Y and he's beating us both ways. We got to figure out how, a way to adjust around it. Now Lamar is just looking kind of up the middle of the field and he knows that, okay, if I don't see anybody from the left that we're going to make assumptions about what they're doing, but he'll make assumptions about that and then just run out there and kind of let it, let it happen once it does. I love that. And I think that, you know, again, I think the Ravens divert the diversification of what that adds to their playbook and their ability to then build off of that. I think is what has reopened this offense in its entirety and allowed them to kind of open the playbook back up to do more things again. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And and I think the other thing that's kind of unlocked the playbook has been the emergence of, of Dobbins as kind of the, the guy as, as the running back. And, and not to say that, you know, Edwards hasn't played a major role as well. I think they both have been, been very good. Um, and, but, but I think Dobbins has really kind of unlocked the Ravens potential in their running game. Um, and, you know, I think we all like can po- kind of want to pour one out for Mark Ingram because it, it's it's really unfortunate that he wasn't able to kind of build on what he was able to do for the Ravens last year. But when you have someone like Dobbins, you need to have him as, as a focal point, I think. You need to get him, you know, 12, 15, 20 touches a game because he just has that extra juice in his in his legs, that extra wiggle, the ability to kind of like take one of those like veers and, you know, and or one of those counter plays and like pick up 10 yards off of it. And that's a threat that the Ravens weren't showing with Ingram earlier on in the season because he just wasn't able to kind of beat the guy on the edge or, or break the tackle that's needed or, or run through contact like, like Dobbins has been able to do this year. So I think that's another aspect of what the Ravens have brought to their running game as, as the season has progressed. And that's, that's really kind of opened up some things for them. Yeah. I mean, absolute props to Mark Ingram. Um, and, you know, whether it's health or whether it's just age or whatever that is, I think if he was the same back physically as he was last year, he would not have seeded as much of this role. And and he some of the things that Dobbins does, Ingram did really well last year. The problem is he's not doing those things really well. And on top of that, Dobbins adds a dynamic that's completely different to this offense than the, the Ravens get from any other running back. And that's what makes him so effective and so dynamic. We, we saw a little bit of it. I think you mentioned it in the option, like that little passing game. We've seen it you know, on some of these option runs from Dobbins. We saw it on the jet sweep motion. Those are plays that you're not going to get as effectiveness, I think, from Edwards or from Ingram. Though I think Ed, we're, we're doing, because Edwards is my boy, I think we're doing Edwards a little disservice. His ability to get to the outside and turn up the field on kind of like off-tackle runs or outside runs is underrated as well. Um, regardless, Edwards and Dobbins make a fantastic combination um, and one that obviously the Ravens have seen the value of and likely aren't going to go away from. Um, Ingram was inactive in a week where Calais Campbell was also inactive, where Marcus Peters was inactive. Again, props to Mark Ingram, but I think I think barring injury, I doubt we see him active again for the Ravens this season. Yeah, that's a good question whether or not he will be activated. I, I just don't see a reason to have him active. And it, maybe it's it's something that comes down to just wanting to rest Dobbins for like in, in like a week 17, for instance, against Cincinnati. That, that might be a reason why you have Ingram out there. But aside from that, like it's hard to it's hard to imagine, you know, putting him in ahead of Dobbins at this point in the season. Um, I think that you know, it takes a lot from a veteran to kind of seed that role. And I, I think I have huge 
huge respect for him to, to not, to, he's never going to complain about it. He's never going to come out and say, you know, I, where are my touches? Um, he knows that the Ravens have something pretty special with, with the, with the, with the Dobbins Edwards combo. And I think he's being the, like the commensurate pro and not, and being such a, a humble leader in the locker room. I think it's something that I want to give him, you know, huge props for. Yeah. You know, I, I, Eric, Eric DaCosta has been very good and the Ravens front office consistently is very good. And he's backed up by a lot of smart people up there. But I think that there have been times where he's made some decisions that I don't love. And I think the Ravens have either gotten burned by or have been hurt by in the short term. I think long term, he's always making the right call, but the short term, I think not so much. That being said, when it comes to free agents and the Ravens ability to sign and bring guys in, they do not mess around when it comes to like buy-in and character guys um and it has paid dividends and i think they draft the same way you know and and tyree kill is look tyree kill is a fantastic athlete and hopefully he's a much better person than he used to be but i would much rather have a team full of ravens and mark ingram signings rather than tyree kill draftee statuses and be rolling the dice and taking the chances of those kind of people and Kareem Hunts of the world being around and the influences in your locker room. The Ravens bring in stand-up guys to make stand-up decisions consistently. And and I think that you see a team full of guys that all could be nominated, maybe not all, but many could be nominated for the Walter Payton Award if they played on different teams. Um, and I think the Ravens need to be given a lot of credit for that. Um, because teams don't do that. And the Ray Rice situation clouds some of that. And Ray Rice, for all intents and purposes, before that happened, was very much that consummate teammate and very much the consummate community like contributor, so to speak. Um, but I think that the Ravens, I think we have to throw credit. I, I'm glad, I am proud to be a fan of a team that brings those kind of guys that aren't going to make trouble when they have snaps taken away from them like this or are made in, not just snaps taken away, made are, are made inactive. Um, and that they pick they pick those guys based on that character consistently kind of year in and year out. Yep, definitely agree on everything that you just said. Um, real well, we quick, get back to the game. <laughs> yeah, let's, jumping back to, but jumping back to the running game, we, we've got to go to the best the longest run of oh my the game. Goodness. Tyree Phillips. Tyree, Tyree Phillips. Phillips. Wow. I, that is not a play that I was expecting to see. Um, <laughs> I think Nor you know, was he. <laughs> hopefully he's, you know, he's yeah. okay. I, I think he, he got wobbled pretty good on that. Um, he actually, he, I think he knocked one of the defenders back about three yards after he tried to tackle him, which was, which was impressive to see as well. Um, but what a heads up play, right? The, I mean, the ball just like kind of like bounced right into his hands and he was like, I can run with this ball. You just took it and ran 15 yards. What a play. Yeah. And the offensive line, I'm going to use this as the, the segue into the offensive line who I thought played again, a lot better. Um, and, you know, who knows how this formula works, right? Like, you know, was it the chicken? Was it the egg? Is the offensive line looking better because the offense is actually clicking and like they're not missing throws. The route combinations are better. The play call selections are like more in tune. So the, these guys are in better position. So that's making them better. Or are the Ravens able to do those things because the offensive line is playing better in the first place? I don't know what the answer to that is, but the offensive line seems to have finally found its appropriate rhythm. Uh, Makari and Powers at the center and guard position to go with Bozeman really seem locked in. I think the Ravens have to feel exceptionally comfortable 
looking forward to the idea of Makari, Bozeman, Powers, um, Stanley, and Brown kind of being there for the offensive line moving forward. Um, if they can figure out right tackle enough to get by, this offensive line seems to be playing well enough right now um, that the Ravens should be able to to keep this train kind of moving forward. Yeah, that definitely, you know, wholeheartedly agree. I think they have kind of found the right combination of players, and that's that's you know really good to have that moving forward because I feel like for a while it was kind of like every single week was a different combination, and part of that was injury related. But it was also like really not knowing what you had. It was it was you know you had Skura who was having some struggles at center, so they plug in Makari, and then he's playing you know right guard. Um, you know they had Phillips there, we've had Powers there, we've had Makari there. Um, I th- I think what they have now is definitely the best five, and I, I I'm counting Fluker as the right tackle for that fifth player because I think he has you know probably been the more consistent of the players at right tackle. Um, you know. They they're kind of doing this alternating back and forth with with Phillips and Fluker, um, and that might work to a certain extent. But I, I, in the end, I think I'd rather have one guy out there, and I, I think that that's probably Fluker. He does have some limitations, you know. I I think I saw a couple of plays where he was asked to do like a pull, and it was just it didn't look pretty <laughs> because Fluker just doesn't move very well. But um, outside of that, I think he he has done pretty well. Even in past production, he's I think he's gotten better. Now that he's he's a little more settled into that, um, and he's figured out kind of just how to use his size and, and not you know allow someone to to kind of like beat him with speed. Um, so yeah, I think the offensive line is, is is definitely playing some of the best football that we've seen out of the Ravens' offensive line, and that's really good um, at this time of the year in particular. Yeah, my my only fear right now is that Patrick McCarry had a couple bad snaps in this game. <laughs> the one you mentioned earlier where the ball, like it was super low and Lamar dropped it and then kind of shoveled it to Dobbins. And then there was another really bad snap later in the game. Was McCarry still in at that point? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so we saw two bad snaps at McCarry. Allergic. Uh, um, so hopefully, I mean, the weather wasn't bad, so there's not really an excuse for it, but you know, they've been they've been coming together as an offensive line and playing well together as an offensive line. And out of everything that I think that you want to see, that's the thing that we wanted to see the most is to see a group of guys kind of get it together and play collectively as a unit. It almost feels like in the first eight weeks of the year, they weren't playing as a unit. And part of the problem was that one or two guys we're consistently getting beat or kind of letting the collective down. Whereas when you play as an offensive line, if you are communicating and working together, unless, unless teams are being really, really complex, um, you know, you should be able to weather a lot of those storms, especially with a quarterback with the elusiveness that Lamar has. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty happy with, with where the line is. And I think obviously the Jaguars don't have the greatest defensive line. So maybe it's kind of a competition thing as well, but even against the Browns, I thought, I thought the line played pretty well and the Browns do have a pretty solid, you know, front four. And I I think that moving forward, there aren't going to be a lot of teams in the AFC that have really tenacious, you know, defensive fronts aside from the Steelers. So I'm not really hugely concerned about any like up front that the Ravens might come up against. Um, so I do think that the offensive line is, is going to be a strength actually moving forward. And obviously having the run game being as good as it has been is going to be important. Um, real quick, you know, we talked about a lot of good things that the Ravens were able to do today. There's one thing, or maybe 
music good and a kind of a negative thing. They they showed some interesting things in one in one series, and I think it was back to back plays where they did kind of a play action um, where they did a fake to a running back and then set up what looked like a Lamar Jackson draw or like scramble or or almost like a design run where where they wanted to get you know the, the defense like looking like they were going to be first trying to stop the run but then oh it looks like a play action pass and then they had guys you know blocking downfield and and jackson took off on both those plays i think one went for three yards and one went for like negative three yards so it didn't really work very well but i thought it was an interesting kind of approach to using jackson's legs as a weapon and one of the things that the jaguars i thought in this game did very well was key on jackson and they were able to say we're not going to let you beat us with his legs i think he had one good run in this entire game um and aside from that they really kind of limited jackson as a runner and i thought the ravens did a good job of adjusting to that because they didn't try and force them jackson down down their throat with a bunch of design runs because it seems like the jaguars had you know one or two defenders who they were keying on on jackson whenever they tried to do that and and the ravens were like okay we're just going to move to something else yeah i've been a long-standing proponent that the ravens need to make things do what it seems like they are not so in any instance where they make it look like a run first or a pass first or a quarterback run first or i mean the next layer is right this this inverted veer look where you've got the two like the guard and the tackle pulling together at one side and it'd be a pass and it's going to happen at some point it's going to be a huge play because they haven't done it yet and they're going to be the opportunities are there right so you build on the plays that you have in front of you um, so I'm all for it. And I think you're right. It, it was ineffective this week, but I think something that could be effective moving forward. Um, and it's certainly, you got to show stuff like that to keep teams honest about those kind of things, I think too. Um, but what you hit on there is the thing that I think that, that really highlights the struggles that the Ravens had in the beginning of this year, because what you heard from Greg Roman and like, it was like week three or week four, or maybe consistently in that period of time, the Ravens were saying, well, what we're seeing on tape from these teams are not what they're doing against us when we actually get out on the field, that we've scouted their tendencies, we see what they like to do, and then when they play us, they just do something completely different, and we and, and we weren't ready for it, right? Or we were trying to attack this one thing, trying to exploit this one thing, and it never happened, is, is the way I hear that as an interpretation. I think that that's what the Ravens need to do moving forward for the rest of the season, right? They need to have their offense in buckets, right? How are they defending Lamar right now? And and buckets could be drive by drive, quarter by quarter. The Ravens need to be willing to completely scrap whatever their approach is in one of those areas and move to the other. And so that could be running the ball down their throats with the running back in their running game because it's super effective. That could be running Lamar to the outside on kind of zone option reads, quarterback reads up the middle or deep like passing plays right and the rave like the ravens need to figure out what teams are trying to key on to stop those they have to have some sense of what the counters of those are and then just go to them and just continue to pivot every single time teams make the adjustments to those screw the game plans i mean don't screw the game plans like obviously under because you can nuance all you can nuance all of those approaches based on what you see from teams right you have bad edge defenders then this is how we're going to attack you in the running game you have a bad quarterback cornerback. This is how we're going to attack you in the passing game. You don't have linebackers that are kind of cover. This is what we're going to do. The tight ends, yada, yada, yada. You get the idea. You could do that based on personnel, but conceptually, and this is, this is what the Patriots offense under Brady was always known for. 
their play calls were not explicit play calls. They were concepts, right? It was zone run right with like slant and like go behind it, right? Like, or like essentially it wasn't specified play calls and everybody had to understand the concepts. But then when you got to the line of scrimmage and you saw what was working, you're just calling out concepts. You have some idea what guys are going to run and you're running counters to the things that you're seeing consistently when you call it. That's what I think the Ravens need to do. Lamar Jackson knows this offense. He knows what his talent is. He knows these guys who he has around him and what they can do. Be attacking what teams are trying to do to stop you. It was very dead obvious that Miles Jack or some other guy from the Jacksonville Jaguars was 100% not just spying on Lamar, but keyed on Lamar, wasn't going to let him run. The Ravens took advantage of that by running those deep routes 15 yards-ish down the field and attacking them in that spot because it keeps your linebacker a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage in those instances. If those guys are dropping back, run with Lamar more, right? Like attack the outsides more. They're funneling, funneling things to the middle, go to the outside. If they're funneling things to the outside, go to the middle. It, it's, I, it isn't rocket science. It's also not as simple as we're saying it here. But I think that these coaches are smart enough to build these concepts in and, and be able to be pliable enough as they have been the last three weeks to attack in ways that are working and to take advantage of what teams are trying to do to stop them. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, obviously I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a very good point. Um, I like what you said about having like kind of buckets, like, you know, play plays that are specifically designed to attack a defense depending on, you know, what they're trying to do or what they're trying to take away. You know, if they're just like stacking the box, for instance, you know, you have your, your handful of plays that you're going to try and, you know, whether it's play action, you can kind of hit them over the top or, or what whatever it is, a quick passing game, that kind of thing. Um, the RPOs that can really, I mean, that's kind of what they did. I keep going back to the second half of the Colts game. I think I've mentioned it like four or five times now. Because I think it's it's it really goes to show you how you can have an offense that's completely not working. The first half of that game was ugly. It's probably the ugliest we've seen all year from the Ravens' offense. And they came out in the second half and looked like a completely different team because they identified what the Colts were doing and they put in a game plan, or maybe not game plan, a, a plan for the second half of the game to attack those areas where they could. And, and they completely changed that game. And they went out and got a really important win and I think maybe we can talk a little bit more about where the Ravens are in the playoff picture after this. But that game, looking back, it's huge. Winning that game, they could have easily lost that game. That game, they were getting like run all over in the first half, and they came out and they just put that game away and and never looked back. So that's something that I want to see the Ravens be able to do, but on a more drive-by-drive basis. You can see what the what the defense is doing, like basically off their first you know, five defensive plays and you can kind of get an idea. Okay. They're going to try and take away this. We're going to attack them here. And there's, they should know exactly how you can do that. You know what team's personnel is, you know what their strengths are and you can see how those players are being deployed and then you can attack it. And if the defense adjusts, then you can adjust too. It's not, it's not a super complex idea, but you just have to be able to do that on the fly. And that's something that, you know, I think we've seen at times from the Ravens, but they need to be more consistent with it. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about the playoffs here. We got a couple of minutes left. Um, you know, it's really coming down to it. You know, I, it would have been, oh, the Colts were so close to losing or at least having to go to overtime against Tennessee or Houston today. And oh my gosh, ridiculous. Houston had a shot in both of those games against the Colts in the last few weeks and fumbled the games away. Absolutely heart-wrenching as a Ravens fan, but We've got the Steelers coming up. They've got consecutive games against teams that we need them to beat. Um, I think if the Steelers lose the first game, they have all the incentive in the world that they're going to need to play in the second game. Because I think 
potentially they'll be in a position by the time they get to the Browns game that if they lose that game, then they could be they could potentially lose a tiebreaker to to Cleveland, right, and not win the division. So they have they're going to have every incentive they need to beat Cleveland in the second game if they lose to the Colts. Obviously, if they beat the Colts, the Ravens are in, and then you've got Miami having to play the Bills in the last week of the season. I think I don't think the Bills are going to have any interest in knocking Miami out of the playoff picture at that point. So I put zero stock in that game. I think Las Vegas has one more run in them where, I mean, I guess it's on Derek Carr's health. Um, but Mariota played fine. Um, you know, I, I think Las Vegas is going to want to play spoiler a lot more badly than than Buffalo. I think I slightly disagree with you because I, I think from Buffalo's perspective, they're more concerned about that home field game in the divisional round than they are about the wild card game. And maybe, maybe that's not true, but I think from a team's perspective, they want to have that game looking forward and maybe they respect the Ravens more than the Dolphins. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, But I I don't, I think that you want the higher seed regardless of who your first round opponent is, I think you want the higher seed, especially if you're going to be seeing potentially that same opponent two weeks in a row in, in, in the instance with the, with the dolphins. I don't think that's something you want to do. I don't think you want to play back to back against the team. Um, that seems like a kind of a weird situation. I would probably want to avoid if at all possible. Um, so I, I do think that the bills will try to win that week 17 um, game, but Maybe not. I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But the but like you said, the the kind of the irony of it all is that Ravens fans are counting on the Steelers to, to win one of these games for them, and I think that's kind of funny. But um, I, I guess I guess I will be rooting for the 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 you know the black and gold for a couple of games this year, which I didn't think I would see myself doing. But in the end, yeah, I think I actually I actually think I have that wrong. I think it looks like Cleveland we'll need Pittsburgh to lose to the Bengals tomorrow night um, in order to have that tiebreaker because one of the, one of the Pittsburgh losses is at a conference. Mm, okay. So there's really no chance unless they lose to the Colts and the Bengals that they would lose the division. Correct. Okay. So then they're going to have no incentive to, they, they would gladly not play to see Baltimore eliminated from the playoffs. I think, um, regardless of anything <laughs> just out of spite i don't know i don't know if teams do that i, I i'm not sure I, I think i think teams try to play to win um and i i don't think they i wanted... think the browns were better than pittsburgh anyway so i i, I don't know i like I, I don't know how relevant that'll be but either way i think that you know i it's i think the steelers can beat the colts i think the colts are a little overrated i would look at the the Colts game against the Steelers and then Miami, both of Miami's games as being the games that are in play. Um, Miami's just not that good. I, I, I watched a majority of their game today because they were, because they were playing um, New England and they, they just didn't look that good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I was saying, like it, it, the Ravens have to win out. Like, I think they will, they should. Um, if they don't, obviously then, you know, they have nothing to blame with themselves because they, they don't deserve honestly to make the playoffs if they can't beat these two teams on their schedule. So they do still have a, you know, a very good chance to make the playoffs. I think they're like 87% or 89% now, depending on kind of which odds you, you look at. Um, I think it's basically about what they were heading in today's game. So it didn't really change that much. I think, um, I mean, I was expecting it kind of to go down a little bit more, but I guess it didn't 
even with the wins from the other teams. Um, I think that's likely because it's unlikely that all the other teams that the Ravens need to lose all win out. I think it's very unlikely that that happens. So I I think the chances are still very good. The Ravens could theoretically still end up as the five seed. Like that's a very likely potential outcome. It would would depend on the Steelers winning their games. But um, if that happens, I think that's kind of an ideal scenario because then you get the Titans in round one, which I think is probably a game that the Ravens would like to have because I think that's the team that is most vulnerable um, to what the Ravens can do on offense. I think the Bills and the Steelers have a more potent defense than what the Titans can do. I think of all the games that the Ravens have lost this year, the Titans are the game that they really should have won. Um, I guess the Steelers game too. They should have won that one. I would rather play the Steelers personally, but only just because I don't want there to be any kind of like demons wrapped around the Titans in the game last year and all that, but Playoffs. Talking about playoffs. I mean, we got to really. <laughs> win two more games. I think you know we got to we got to see what happens. You know, maybe Pittsburgh drops this game to Cincinnati tomorrow night, and then they've got all the incentive in the world to play out the rest of the season. Um, you never know what's going to happen. They've looked like they're a mess. Um, so, knock on wood, the Ravens keep playing consistently, keep playing well. Um, we'll keep it here, and hopefully, we'll have quite a few more of these um, before the end of the season's over. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Thanks for tuning in. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.